0: As you may know, I work for Seattle's Union Gospel Mission, as does David Floyd, and now, as uh, so does Larry Klum. We're taking over here. We're going to take the the church by storm. And by the way, we're looking for some really good people to join our team. We're short on case managers. If you really want to do something where you're working with people and making a difference, come and join our team. We're especially looking for a bilingual, Spanish-speaking case manager. So if you know someone, send them our way. Uh, We need them. Right now we have about 300 men in our programs. That's not to mention our women's and children's program. And I was talking to one of our guests the other day and asked him, well what is it that brought you to the mission? He grew up in Germany, got deported, get this, got deported from the country for fighting, being in jail, and alcoholism. Not Not a good sign. And he ended up in Seattle with no job, Nowhere to go, homeless, desperate, walking around the streets of Seattle, wondering where he was going to go and what he was going to do. Had his head down, kind of in despondence, looked up. He was walking down 2nd Avenue, looked up and saw that sign that some of you may have seen, Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. So he came into the mission. Something compelled him just to come in the doors and find out what we're all about. So he just completed his 60-day blackout period, and I don't know how he's going to fare moving forward, but I do know two things. One is, he's heard the gospel on on more than one occasion. And second, he has seen the gospel as he has rubbed shoulders with folks who love Jesus. That scene, that story reminds me of these opening lines in the 121st Psalm, "'I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This morning, we're going to drill down on that passage, and I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to have us repeat, recite the, the psalm several times during the, uh, during the sermon so that when we leave, it's burned into our brains. I know some of you have already memorized uh, this psalm, and that's okay. We'll, we'll do it again, but I want us to leave with a real sense of what this psalm is all about so if it's okay let's uh let's go through the the scripture together and we're not going to do the leader and all in s1 and s2 we're just going to read the passage together okay so let's read this together i lift up my eyes to the hills from where will my help come my help comes from the lord who made heaven and earth he will not let your foot be moved he who keeps you will not slumber He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. Would you pray with me? So, Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your Word which is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Father, I pray that as we meditate on these words that You'd remind us of Your goodness, of Your faithfulness, and the fact that You keep us. For Jesus' sake, we ask it. Amen. Psalm 121 is one of the most beloved of the Psalms. It's part of a group of psalms, Psalms 120 through 134, that's called the Psalms of Ascent or Songs of Ascent, which the Israelites, God's people, sang together, sang to each other as they made their way to Jerusalem to celebrate one of three of the, of the great festivals. Three times a year they would make this journey, and as they were walking through the hills, climbing the mountains, they were singing this song sort of antiphonally to one another to remind them, to encourage them, to to move forward. The journey could be arduous, it could be dangerous as they climbed their way through the hills that led to the Holy City. While on the road the people faced danger from above and danger from below. They were exposed, exposed to scorching heat and unpredictable weather. Robbers hid in the caves ready to strike after all the robbers knew where they were going when they would get there and knew their destination. Wild animals roamed the hills. The people were exposed, fragile, and vulnerable. Where was the help? Where was the protection? It wasn't in the hills. There was danger in them, our hills. No, their help was in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord, Yahweh, was the one who would watch over and protect them. As one commentator put it, your God built each hill into its precise height down to the tiniest fraction of an inch. He shaped every curve and every cliff, planting each bush and flower and putting each rock into its place. He counted and scattered the blades of grass. Your God knows these hills, watches over these hills, governs this hill And every hill. What's the writer telling us? We are to seek help from the one who can surely give it, the one who parted the Red Sea, the one who brought water out of a rock, the one who sent bread from heaven, the one who sent the plagues into Egypt, the one who caused the Sun and the moon to stand still, who slew the Philistines before the ark and the one ultimately who would send his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him might not perish, but have eternal life. The men we work with at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission have spent their life looking for help in all the wrong places. You might remember the Johnny Lee song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, Looking for Love in Too Many Faces, right? Old song. Well, substitute the word help, looking for help in all the wrong places, looking for help in too many faces they've been looking for help from their families which in almost all the cases are dysfunctional at best the common denominator for men coming out of homelessness and into our recovery programs are abuse abandonment and neglect pretty tough mixture to be recovering from, right? Abuse, abandonment, neglect. Add on top of that, the emotions that, we're dealing, that they're dealing with are shame, guilt, and failure. So abuse, abuse, abandonment, neglect, shame, guilt, and failure. No wonder they self-medicate with drugs and alcohol. If they don't look to their families for help, they look to their friends. And the problem with that is that most of their friends are in the same boat. Or they've looked to programs and agencies that only perpetuate the problem. Or they look to themselves for help. What good is that? How, do, how does a person who is at the bottom of a pit pull himself up from the bottom of a pit? It doesn't work so well. So here's a question for us. Are we much different? Are we looking for help in all the wrong places? Or families and friends are good things and my guess is that most of us here have some healthy familial relationships. We have some good friends that we can share with and come alongside and be encouraged by. But families and friends can disappoint us, can't they? They can let us down. They can steer us in the wrong direction. Programs and agencies and counselors and doctors all have their place and may be avenues through which God can work. I'm excited that Larry has joined the staff at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. Let's give him a hand. <laughs> Join the staff again, I might, I might add, but he is the senior counselor at our Cap- Capitol Hill Mental Health uh, Facility. And uh, we're excited to have him, in part because Almost every one of our guests, in fact, I would say all of our guests in the mission have some kind of mental health issue. It's a desperate need. So at the end of the day, we have various avenues to look to for help. But the psalmist is reminding us that the place we are to look first is the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. At the mission, we are committed to the idea of every homeless neighbor beloved, redeemed, and restored. Every homeless neighbor, beloved, redeemed, and restored. And we know that the only person that can do that is God. As good as our programs are, as helpful as they are, as productive and successful they are, our first priority is and always has been preaching the gospel, after all, after 90 years, we're still Seattle's Union gospel mission, the gospel being that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, sinners like you and me. So read with me verses 1 to 2 again, just as a reminder. Read it with me. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where my, will my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. Let's move on to verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. He will not let your foot slip. I always smile when I come to this verse because I don't think the writer had in mind a titanium graphite foot like mine. I think he's picturing real feet. That wasn't part of his vernacular yet in those days but I think the verse is true for me, just as it is for you. The phrase is a synecdoche, there's a good word for you, free uh, free definition, a part which means a part is made to represent the whole. The foot here represents the whole person, body, soul, mind, and the psalmist is saying, God's not gonna let your foot be moved. He's not gonna let you be moved, or as some translations say, He's not going to let your foot slip. The journey to Jerusalem could be a dangerous and treacherous one. One slip could send you down the side of a hill or a mountain. When I was with Young Life in the 1980s, I was able to several times take folks on a program called Beyond Malibu. How many of you have been to Malibu? Anybody? Okay, so a few of you. So you, you, you know the, the topography. You, you uh, take the boat into the Princess Louisa Inlet, and behind Malibu is a mountain called One Eye. So one time we were climbing uh, One Eye, had 13 kids with me. We were uh, traipsing across a glacier, and my foot slipped. I went cascading down this glacier towards a 600-foot drop-off, scared spitless. I was able to turn over, dig my hands and my feet into the ice, and come to a stop about 20 feet from this six foot, 600 foot drop. So, what does this almost mean when he says he will not let your foot slip? The reality is that the Christian life is full of challenges and climbs and slips. And here the psalmist says, he will not let your foot be moved or slip." This is not a promise that we won't sin, or that our faith won't falter, or that we will never doubt, or that we won't face challenges. The promise is that the Lord will not allow his people to slip away from himself. The Lord will not allow his people to slip away from himself. Our souls are safe. One of the hallmarks of Reformed theology is the P in the acronym TULIP, which stands for the perseverance of the saints, or better, the preservation of the saints, because it's God who preserves us. The idea here is that those whom God has called to himself will persevere in faith to the end. It really is a once-saved, always-saved proposition. Of course, the caveat being saved means a genuine repentance, a genuine following Christ to the end. Those whom God has called and where there is genuine repentance and conversion, evidenced by bearing fruit and Christ's likeness, will persevere to the end when God calls them home. Romans chapter 8 says it like this And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God is in the process of doing those things in us and through us. What does that do for us? Well, it gives us confidence that our souls are safe, that God is going to keep us to the end. Verse 4, he who keeps you will not slumber, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Six times in the psalm, the psalmist uses the word keep. So it must be an important verse, right? To keep means to guard, to protect, to watch over, to defend. Psalm 18 says it like this, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. What the psalmist was referring to is God's vigilance. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. He is never asleep on the job, as it were. The fact that God is omniscient, knows everything, and the fact that He is omnipresent everywhere all the time, blows my mind. I cannot wrap my mind around that that fact. God always knows what's going on in the universe. He always knows what's going on in my life. He always knows what's going on in my mind, which is a pretty scary thing. This almost reminds us that God is always faithful. Always faithful, always faithful, even when we go through hardship. It's easy to forget that. We can feel like God doesn't care about us, that he's not listening, that God is off doing something more important. How long, oh Lord, we read in the Psalms a number of times. We sweat the small stuff and forget how often God has protected us from disasters. We remember the car accident and forget that God spared our life. We remember the injuries and illnesses that we go through and and forget the fact that we've been healthy for so many days. Right now, I'm in recovery from a hamstring surgery that's been super painful. And Debbie might tell you different, but I feel like I'm whining all the time about the pain, especially getting out of bed in the morning. And I sometimes forget that God has, even with two prosthetic legs, has given me the ability to walk and to get around. We whine when the stock market has taken a hit and interest rates have gone up and we forget, oh wait, I still have some money in the bank and some money to invest in a home to live in. I like what Run writer said, We complain that Netflix, Disney Plus, and Amazon Video, and all the new TV services are leading to subscription fatigue. Do you feel like that sometimes? What am I going to watch? There's too many choices. All the while forgetting that it was only a few years ago that we had to drive to a place called Blockbuster to get a movie. Or for some of us, it was we only had three channels and no remote. We whine and complain and forget the many blessings that God has granted us and that His mercies are new every morning. So repeat verses 3 and 4 with me. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verses 5 and 6, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. There's that word again. The Lord is your keeper. We need to be reminded of that over and over and over and over again. He is the shade at our right hand, meaning no one is nearer than the one who keeps us. Closer than the shade at our right hand. We can imagine the blistering sun while the travelers are on their way with no shade or oasis in sight. Again, it's a nod to God's protection that He is our spiritual sunscreen, as it were, protecting us as we go. The word shade can be translated shadow, and I'm reminded of the 91st Psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress my God in whom I trust. The Lord is our shade at our right hand. He protects us from the sun and the moon, metaphors for the evil that lurks by day and night, 24-7, if you will. I came across a story by Paul Harvey as I was preparing for this sermon. It's about Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska. Here's the story. Normally, all of good... All of the good choir people came to church on Wednesday night to practice and they tended to be early, well before the 7.30 starting time. But one night, March 1st, 1950, one by one, two by two, they all had excuses for being late. Marilyn, the church pianist, overslept on her after-dinner nap, so she and her mother were late. One girl, a high school sophomore, was having trouble with her homework. That delayed her, so she was late. One couple couldn't get their car started. They and those they were to pick up were subsequently late. All 18 choir members, including the pastor and his wife, were late. All had good excuses. At 7.30, the time the choir rehearsal was to begin, not one soul was in the choir loft. That had never happened before. But that night, the only night in the history of the church that the choir wasn't starting to practice at 7.30, was the night there was a gas leak in the basement of the West Side Baptist Church. At precisely the time at which the choir would have been singing, the gas leak was ignited by the church furnace, and the whole ch- church blew up. The furnace room was right below the choir loft. That's the rest of the story. How many times has the Lord kept us and we're not even aware. So, repeat verses 5 and 6 with me. The Lord will keep you, the Lord is your, sorry, let's start over. The Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade at your right hand, the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Lastly, verses 7 and 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil, he will keep your life, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on forevermore. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Really? Really? That's a tough verse for many. The inference is that nothing bad will happen to those who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so when bad things do happen, folks are disappointed in God, mad at God, unable to trust God. The young man from Germany that I mentioned earlier is having trouble believing in and trusting God. He grew up in a home with an alcoholic father, an abusive mother, who beat him and whom whom the father beat the mother. His mother died when he was 16, he went to live with his grandmother, he started drinking and fighting, ended up in jail on numerous occasions and was finally expelled from the country. must have been a lot going on to be expelled from a country, right? so how does one believe that the Lord will keep you from all evil with that kind of background it led to a good conversation about the fact that God doesn't promise freedom from trouble but God promises to keep us from the evil that could destroy our soul as the bumper sticker says stuff happens you know which one I'm talking about right in fact the Bible guarantees that we will go through trials and difficulties. First Peter 4:12 reminds us, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. They're going to happen. Isaiah 43 says this, but now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice that it's not if, but when. We will pass through rough waters and cross dangerous rivers and go through roaring fires, but God is with us, protecting us from all evil, And causing us to persevere to the end at the mission we deal with folks who have gone through some very difficult things and so when I share with them I can share from experience I haven't been homeless and I haven't had to struggle with addiction but I've gone through some tough stuff I've had to deal with diabetes I've had to deal with a kidney and pancreas transplant amputation of both feet, a father who died from cancer, a sister who uh, became a paraplegic because of the West Nile virus, of all things, and ended up passing away. A son who is a recovering addict himself. A difficult leave from a church that I had served for more than 14 years, and here lately, just recovering from a painful hamstring surgery. And I'm not saying that to whine or to gain sympathy, I'm just saying that stuff happens, right? Is there anybody in this room where difficulties have not happened? Raise your hand. I want to get to meet you and find out how you did it. No, but those of us who have gone through some difficult situations can repeat Romans 5.3 to ourselves. But not only this, we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character. And character produces hope we can resonate with first Peter 1 6 and 7 in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed When the psalmist says that God will keep us from all evil, he will keep your life, he is saying that in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the trial, he will keep you and preserve you and watch over you and protect you. He will watch over your coming and going. When? Both now and forevermore. Both now and forevermore. John Piper writes this. The Lord can keep you, and he will keep you. What will he keep you from? Anything that might ultimately harm you. People were harmed on the way to Jerusalem, and you will be harmed following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. But if you are gods, nothing can ultimately harm you anymore because nothing... Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything that threatens you can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as my boss, Scott Cleveland, would say, can a brother get an amen? Amen. Amen. So repeat verses 7 and 8 with me. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. And now we're going to repeat the whole psalm one more time, okay? Let's do it. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The lord is your keeper the lord is your shade at your right hand the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night the lord will keep you from all evil he will keep your life the lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time